open the precious word of God this morning to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. My dear brothers and sisters, today we need to think about death and judgment and salvation. We can't appreciate the words eternal life or everlasting life unless we appreciate that terrible word, death. We can't appreciate salvation if we don't understand that terrible word, judgment. By understanding death and judgment, and the Bible wants us to understand both and to think upon both and to realize how terrible they are, we can't fully appreciate the salvation, the everlasting life we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. We can't appreciate John 6 the way we should, and so the Lord has led me this way. What in the world is the Lord Jesus Christ talking about by repeating four times in about 12 verses, I will raise him up at the last day. There must be some terrible event coming that he has saved us from. Why does he refer to everlasting life and eternal life and life so many times by saying, he that believeth on me may have everlasting life, and by saying, Unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have no life in you. Over and over he says it. Then there must be some terrible death coming. And you read about it last evening. I have wrestled with the Lord all night long as to why you and I are so dull about death and salvation. We're too dull about it. We need to be reminded today. Now the reminder should be joyful. Because we're saved, brethren. But we've got to think about the fact that death and judgment are coming. Who's next? I was in a sober house last Sunday afternoon. Who's next? Who's going to be down here in a box? A gilded box. With makeup on a silk pillow. With ghastly gray and green being their color. Who will follow them? My older brothers in here, we were once young. Now we're old. And we're going to be there soon. But we have a Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants us to lay hold of him by faith so that that day does not scare us. So that we can rejoice in that coming day. That's what John 6 is all about. He's condemning his audience, but he's blessing us. Because he's telling us how to lay a hold on eternal life. And we want to do that. Yes, it's sober. Zach reminded me this morning that when Paul reasoned with Felix, when Paul had a chance to sit with a Roman-appointed governor, he reasoned about righteousness, temperance, judgment to come. Those are good subjects for us. Because we have a fourth. We have a Savior who's guaranteed our everlasting life. Okay, let's look at the last two verses of Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, the last two verses. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Amen. Amen. 
and amen. We are all appointed to death. We were warned in advance before our first sin in Eden. In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. He died that day. He died 930 years later. And if Adam wasn't elected by God's grace, he will die in the great day of judgment coming when he will be cast into the lake of fire for eternity. In Ezekiel 18 and verse 4, it says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. In Romans 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death. Our, our wages have been appointed and we've earned them. And so it says, as it is appointed unto men once to die. This is not a law of nature. This is a law of God. This is not a law of the environment. This is a law of God. We're appointed to death. We're once appointed to it. We don't die multiple times. We die once. And it's rather final. Who will be next is what we should be thinking today. Will it be me? Am I ready for it? Can I face it boldly? Death is terribly final, but not really. Because there's something that comes after it that's far worse than it. And that's judgment, which results in the second death, which is far worse than physical death. Jesus was offered to God for the sins of many. It says so in verse 28. And we, if you get to verse 28 in Hebrews chapter 9, then that means you've already read verse 14. It says he was offered to God. And God accepted that offering for the sins of many. He bore their sins and he died for them as a substitute in their place so they would not have to suffer the penal consequences of their sins ending in the second death. His next event is to come again. He is going to come the second time and this refers to it. He is going to come again for us. He will not bring our sins back. Notice that it says, He shall appear the second time. He appeared the first time 2,000 years ago. He shall appear the second time without sin. He will not be bringing our sins with him because our sins have been left in the land of forgetfulness. You say, well, then why will we give an account? You're still going to give an account. If you don't like that, then you have a problem with the Bible. There's not going to be any penal consequence of our sins in that day. We will not be sunk down into the lake of fire because of those sins. We will give an account of how well we have served and what we have done in our bodies because the Bible says so, but we will be judged righteous in the sense of legally entering into heaven and being there with Christ forever. I don't want to spend any more time on that because it's just foolish scorn that wants to fight against that. We owe the Lord an accounting for our lives, and some will have a better accounting than others, but we'll all be judged righteous by the accounting of one, and it's called the law and doctrine of imputation, and that's the second Adam's righteousness being applied to us. But he's coming. Do you remember the scapegoat? How that? What kind of a man? A fit man. Do you think he could run a marathon? Do you think he could run two? Could he run an ultramarathon? Boy, that priest would put the sins of the people on the head of that scapegoat, and that fit man would take him way out in the wilderness, and those sins would be lost in the land of forgetfulness. And the Lord Jesus Christ has done that for us. The Bible uses so many different descriptions to describe how our sins have been taken away, and he cannot remember them. That's why I call it the land of forgetfulness. God himself doesn't remember them. They've been taken away. Now, brethren, I've, I've taught you over the years, when we get those adverb, adverb connections, as and so, we've got a comparison being drawn. And we've got one here between these two verses, by verse 27 having an as and verse 28 having the so. As it is appointed to men once to die, but after this the judgment, so 
There's, gonna, there's some strong similarity here. So Christ was once offered. We don't offer him again at an altar. We don't have to go forward in an invitation to get him offered again. He was offered one time, just like we have to die once. It's the law of God. We were appointed to die once. Jesus Christ was appointed to die once. He did that one death for us, and we are saved forever because of it. After our death, something happens. We face judgment. After his death for us, something happens. He comes back for us without sin unto salvation. And so we have that as-so comparison here in these two verses. We have judgment following death. He has salvation following his death, which he's going to bring to us. Now, brethren, for whom? For whom? There's no decision for Jesus in these two verses. There's no believing on Christ in these two verses. What is in these two verses to describe the many that he paid for their sins? That looked for him. So that's why we're together this morning. If anybody looked at the paper this morning or went online, did you see anything about looking for his coming? Only here are we reminded about that. The Apostle Paul said... I have a crown of righteousness waiting for me because I fought a good fight, I kept the faith, I finished my course, and that crown of righteousness is laid up for everyone else that loves his appearing. We get so distracted with this life like the John 6 hearers. They were concerned about food for this life. That's why Jesus kept repeating over and over and over, almost redundantly repeating over, there's an everlasting life. That's why we're here to get from John 6, that there is everlasting life. This box that we're going to be in soon is to plant us so we can get our new bodies. This box is to get rid of these bodies so that we, our spirits can be free and to be with Christ, free from sin, free to righteousness, to live with him and for him forever. For whom? It's those that look for his appearing. There was a prayer meeting this past Thursday night where 15 of your brothers and sisters prayed for one prayer request for one hour. And that is that we would all have an eternal perspective. And I didn't plan John 6 or that prayer meeting or my comments right now. The Lord has directed me that we should think about death and judgment and get our perspective off of this short little life and on to eternity because it's rushing at us so fast. My older brothers in here, it's rushing at us fast. It's not delaying. There's no discharge in this ward, in this war. But oh, we have a Savior. And he went through that curtain of death voluntarily and thought about it his whole life before he went through it. And he showed us how to die. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. There's, there's instructions in the Bible on how to die. Stephen followed those instructions and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Do you know what Jesus did when Stephen said that? According to Acts chapter 7. He stood up. Right. Little girl, are you looking forward to this? Coming out of the clouds of heaven through the dark curtain of death. When you say, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Every occurrence in the New Testament about where Jesus is positioned right now is sitting at the right hand of God. But when the deacon, Stephen, died and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. You say, do you have another example? Because I want two witnesses. I'm glad you asked. 
Peter was sinking into the waters of the Sea of Galilee and uttered the shortest prayer in the Bible. Lord, save me. What did he get? Right. I have wrestled with the Lord. I go to the gym. I work out intensely. For what? For a good enough cause. But it's of little profit compared to what I'm talking to you about right now. Right. Let's do both. But let's make what we're doing right now the greatest. And let's make this service and this worship today a great day. Look at what we have laid out for us. All, all these verses are God's work, God's appointment, God's satisfaction with Christ, except that little descriptive phrase, those that look for him. Are we looking for him like we should? Right. Let's have an eternal perspective. Let's have real faith. Let's come to Christ Jesus today in a fuller way than maybe we have in the past if we need to. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Father in heaven, Holy Father, Blessed Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry that you have to come and wrestle with us, that we would get our vision off the horizontal and onto the vertical that we would get our perspective off of this life and onto eternal life. And Heavenly Father, it varies from each brother and sister sitting here to what degree they've been caught up in the things of this life. We don't want to be belly worshipers that mind earthly things. We don't want to be John 6 seekers that are looking for manna every morning. Oh, Heavenly Father, we want to feed on meat indeed and drink indeed, which is the flesh and blood of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to embrace him as our Savior and look for his soon appearing for us. He is coming the second time without sin because they were taken far away by him, buried in the depths of the deepest sea behind the back of God, never to be remembered again as far as the east is from the west. They have been blotted out. And we thank thee for that hope of eternal life and salvation to help us appreciate your scriptures and your son's preaching. Cause us to remember today that one of us soon will be on display at the front of this meeting house in a ghastly color, mere clay, the spirit gone to be with the Lord. And Father in heaven, we know that the moment we're with you we shall either be sent to our place of eternal destiny or, in, in, or into your presence. And then that final and formal declaration will be made again in the great day of judgment. But we thank thee that the Lord Jesus Christ wanted to tell four times that he will raise us up again at the last day. That it will be the resurrection of life, the resurrection of everlasting life, the resurrection of eternal life. We can never be lost. He is guaranteed not to lose a single one of us. He's our surety. And we thank Thee for him. We thank Thee for him. Heavenly Father, help us not to be looking for the next promotion, not the next child, not the next anything, not, not anything. But you're appearing. That we would be looking for that and living in light of it. Heavenly Father, you could send the Lord Jesus Christ today 
And we don't know, but we should be living today as if he might come today. Help us to that end. Let us sing that way. Let us pray that way. Let us preach that way. Let us hear that way. Let us love and encourage each other that way. Forgive us for being so earthly-minded. Help us to be heavenly-minded. Our spirits are willing. Our flesh is as weak or weaker than the apostles that slept three times in our Lord's deepest, darkest hour of need. Heavenly Father, you know all the other thoughts, thanksgivings, and petitions we have. We lay them before thee. They're hardly worthy to be mentioned in comparison to this one. Teach us, show us, lead us, help us, strengthen us to love thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to embrace his crucifixion death for us, to look at him as our Redeemer, to remember his broken body, torn flesh, and shed blood, and to believe on him as the Son of God, the coming judge of the universe, and our Lord, Savior, brother, priest, and friend. We thank thee for him. Help us, Lord, this day to worship him as we should. And forgive us for wasting any moments in the past to do less than this, but bless us in this moment. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.